Hello and welcome back to IT Varsity Tech Watch. I'm your host Bilal Katrada. And I'm your co-host Masihullah Katrada. And today we're going to be talking about the darkness that has befallen South Africa. We're talking about load shedding. Okay, we haven't had load shedding for a couple of weeks, but prior to that it was a very, very disastrous round of load shedding that we had by ESCOM. So we found ourselves very frequently in the dark. And aside from the normal irritations of not having power, meaning aircons go off, lights go off, we cannot charge our phones and our devices, our computers go off. There's also more dangerous and a lot more uh, serious implications to load shedding. Like for example, when the traffic lights go out, now you see mass confusion at intersections, especially in the main cities, and then there's a lot of accidents. But it's not just physical damage. I mean, when you look at load shedding and its effects on businesses, it's absolutely crippling. I mean, it's the small businesses that suffer the most. If you look at the giants, if you look at the chain stores, for example, they have the funds and the resources to set up uh, gigantic generators outside their stores so that their stores can continue running. But what's the little guy to do? The little guys, the small mom and pop businesses, they cannot afford generators. These you know, large-scale generators run into hundreds of thousands of rands a pop. So these little businesses can't afford backup power systems. So what do they have to do? shut down. There's nothing more they can do than to shut down and sometimes two to four hours per day. It's sickening. It's really sickening how many businesses just have to shut down and be completely without income, without revenue for those precious business hours. I mean consider businesses like bakeries for example that need their ovens to operate. The very core function of the business requires electricity. Then you've got businesses like tire shops. For example, one Friday evening I needed to put new tires. I phoned the tire store. The guy says, look, we're closed because of load shedding. This was like two or three o'clock in the afternoon. There's nothing that we can do, so we've closed our doors. Now look at the loss of revenue for small businesses, but it also affects bigger businesses. I mean, the cell phone towers at one stage were going crazy because they were not used to all that power switches between uh, grid power and generators power you know the the these uh, towers actually have generators of their own so that constant switching back and forth caused a lot of damage not to mention the appliances at home fridges aircons these are not meant to be switched on and off frequently they're supposed to run constantly without any interruptions. Nonetheless, load shedding is nasty no matter which way you look at it. There's no bright side to it. It's just a disaster upon a disaster. It affects people, the common people, it affects businesses, it affects the entire economy of the country. Some experts say that the, the damage to the economy went into like over 20 billion rands. I think that's still not, it's still very conservative because you know, besides the direct financial losses, there's more downstream losses. Like, for example, prospective investors that are thinking about investing money into South African businesses 
will definitely pull back. I mean, I wouldn't want to invest in a country, in a company that operates in a country that has an unstable electricity supply. I mean, electricity has become one of the most basic, basic needs of modern living, just like water. And there's no getting away from that fact. Electricity is a staple. It's something that we rely on. So investors looking at South Africa will look at this and they say, well, you know, the businesses that we're going to invest in are possibly going to lose two to four hours of productive business hours. So hence, we'd rather take our money elsewhere and invest it in countries that don't have this problem of low sharing countries that actually have they act together as far as electricity as far as power generation goes now what sort of country are we talking about here one of the primary cases is china and china is one of our partners in the brics alliance the brics brazil india china and south africa and russia and russia of course they form the 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 the, the BRICS alliance. Now China is one of those, but China is on a completely completely different level. I mean, China is one of the most industrialized nations in the world, and they've taken steps. In fact, they started taking these steps about ten to twelve years ago to ensure that their country never runs out of electricity. And what are they doing? They're turning to the sky. They're looking at generating electricity from the sun. They are generating solar power. So around 10 years ago, China set out some uh, goals for itself that is going to set up solar power stations. And these will generate electricity that will feed back into China's main grid. Now, China had a couple of reasons for that. Just like South Africa, there's no shortage of coal in China, but the Chinese were looking at the very long term. The first thing that they saw is even though there is an abundance of coal in China, it's going to run out at some stage, firstly. And secondly, besides the fact that coal is unsustainable, they looked at energy that is renewable as well as clean. Now, the problem with coal power, one of the big problems was that it was causing severe pollution problems. I mean, if you look at one of those, you know, classical pictures of, of Chinese cities, you see they, they, they blanketed in smog and people have to wear these masks. You, you often see Chinese people wearing these surgical masks and going to work or getting around the cities doing, doing the normal uh, activities that we'd normally do. But all through the day, they have to wear these masks because the air is so toxic in, in, in lots of Chinese cities that to breathe it can cause diseases. And it was causing lots of diseases and children were being affected more than anyone else. So that was the second thing. We'll go into more details about the damage as far as uh, pollution goes. So the second thing was that coal is dirty. It's among the dirtiest of all fossil fuels. So the Chinese had to look at a clean source of energy. And again, solar power wins. The solar power is sustainable, renewable, and 100% clean. It's sustainable and renewable because the sun is going nowhere. I mean, as long as the earth survives, the sun is going nowhere. So we're getting valuable, precious energy from the sun. 
every single day of the year. And the other thing is solar power is clean. It doesn't release any contaminants, no uh, toxic substances going out into the atmosphere or into uh, the, the water or into the soil. It's 100% pure, pure energy coming from the most abundant source of energy that this planet has ever seen, the sun. Now, China's taken lots of steps and they've made lots of strides, Marcella. Tell us about those, those steps and, you know, the strides that they made and how they are leaps and bounds, decades, in fact, ahead of us as a country. Okay, now, it's interesting because they're not just ahead of us. They are ahead of almost any other country in the world in terms of, of their energy and, and solar uh, solar farms. Now, this all started with them in 2007 when the NDRC unveiled its plan. And back then, the plan was to increase solar power production in China to just 1,800 megawatts by 2020. Okay? So, from then, solar farms have been popping up all over China. There's one um one of the biggest ones i think in the world is a 27 square kilometer uh dam that uh that became a so that they turned into a solar park which is installed with over four million photovoltaic uh panels that is huge 27 square kilometers of solar panels that is a lot of uh, panels. How much of energy is that uh, is that facility actually generating? This one facility produces 850 megawatts. Wow, that is huge. That is a lot of power that generated is. from the sun. And uh, just to put that into perspective, 850 megawatts is enough to power 200,000 average households. Okay, so every single day, that's what it can power. But here's the best part. That's free power forever. It is. And also, it's, it's, it's not costing them anything once they put it up. I mean, there's a little bit of maintenance, but basically there was wasted land or uh, lots and lots of, of uh, unused or unusable land that they found a solution to, um, to actually make useful. Probably desert land, scrub land, where you couldn't even do any farming, very much like the Karoo Desert that we have here in South Africa or the Kalahari Desert. There's nothing going on there. Correct, and those are perfect candidates for solar farms. Now, China also has the world's largest floating solar farm. Now, this is a 40 megawatt power plant in the central Anhui Desert uh, a province that is actually floating on a lake. Now, this lake was formed basically when a underground coal mine collapsed and basically the water in there is very toxic so it can't be used for anything else you can't swim in it you can't drink in it it can't sustain any life it was basically just going for to waste so they decided to build a solar farm on top of it so and the panels literally float on the water exactly and this solves two purposes number one is it's using all of that real estate and number two the water actually helps to cool the solar panels to keep them performing well Okay, so it increases the efficiency when they are when they are cooled. Correct. Fantastic. That is some very innovative use of wasted land, or in this case, wasted uh, water body. Definitely. And 
to for the Chinese now, even though they've met their goals, but you know that that wasn't enough for them. So by 2012 now, their solar power production was already setting at 47,000 uh, megawatt. Wow, no. that's 47 gigawatts of power just from solar. Just from solar. Pure, clean, forever renewable power. Amazing. Now, w- when they saw the 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 um, the positivity and and how well these farms are working, they set a new goal. Now they were going to do 100,000 megawatts by 2020. And that's their their current goal. And by the end of 2018 their cumulative power solar power production was sitting at 174,000. Wait a minute. So they had set out a goal of 100,000 by 2020. Mm-hmm. All right. Let me get this clear. But by 2018, they had already reached 174,000 megawatts. Wow. True. They nearly doubled their, their target. I mean, 74,000 megawatts over and above. Okay. Give us perspective on this, right? Okay. When we're looking at... 174,000 megawatts of power. Will that solve South Africa's problem? Let's say we had we had to generate that much of solar power. Would it solve our our problems? Okay, let's take a look. According to ESCOM, the entire South Africa needs approximately 40,000 megawatts. Wait, what? 40,000 megawatts? Did you fact check that? I did. I had to check it a few times, but that's it. 40,000 megawatts, and that's all we need. So we need 40,000 megawatts, which we're struggling to generate for our country. But China is generating 174,000, more than four times the total power needs of South Africa is being generated just through solar in China. Amazing. This is amazing. And this is really... You know, it, it, it says something about the Chinese versus us as South Africans. I mean, they are leaps and bounds ahead. And it, it just took uh, some forward planning. And that was it, you know. In 2007, they have already put these plans into place. But they are not alone. Uh, there are many other countries that are doing it. For example, one of my favorite examples is Germany, who planned by the year 2038 to shut down all of its coal-powered plants completely shut down okay so i know germany is used to be the the world leader in renewables right before china overtook them by far i think germany currently stands at what like 40 percent of correct coal power generation correct so 60 percent of the power is already coming from renewable sources like wind solar tidal geothermal does germany have geothermal i'm not sure i'm not sure maybe somewhere in the alps in the german alps but still it's quite a thing. I mean, 2038, which is, you know, not that l- far from now. It's just over, just under 20 years from now. It's about 19 years from now. They want to shut down all uh, coal power plants. And yet, you know, this is mind-boggling. We've got in South Africa two of the biggest coal-powered uh, electricity power stations that are sitting like white elephants. We've got uh, Medupi. Uh, you know, for example, that's just sitting there. That was a failed project that the government had set out. Had they spent that amount of money on renewables rather than on coal-powered, maybe South Africa might have been on the map. Yes, it's, we've got other countries that are trying to wean themselves off coal power, but we are trying to get into it even more. It, it, it's mind-boggling. It is. And you know what? We are a third-world country. That's true. 
Um, you look at other third world countries, take India, for example, they are also making massive strides in solar power. So they are uh, they are trying to completely shift to renewable energy, just like Germany, within the next few decades. So they also set out targets. They have a target of 20,000 megawatts by 2020. And by 2018, they were producing 26,000 megawatts. So they are already uh, they are already passed their goal by and a full four years. Four years. That's correct. Okay. India, I think m more than most countries, well, India and China need this because when you go to Indian cities, it's not just the, the, the smoke from, from factories and power stations. It's also the fumes from the cars, from the vehicles. It chokes you. The moment you step out of an air-conditioned uh, hotel or office complex, you, you're choking with that absolutely putrid uh, you know, gases from the, from the cars. And it's, uh, uh, you know, it's definitely causing health problems. So solar power, and we'll, we'll discuss this in, a, in, a, in the next episode, I think. Solar power coupled with electric cars. Imagine how clean the atmosphere will be because there's no smoke to generate the power and there's no cars using uh, gas. In India, lots of cars use uh, propane gas, I think it is, not... not um, petrol like us uh, so there's no carbon monoxide there's no uh, uh, you know propane gas fumes it's just pure energy generated by the sun and that's being used by electric cars to uh, generate power uh, or to to move around that's going to be quite an achievement for india i hope you know they they manage to meet the target but now the question arises why now why is solar becoming such a big thing nowadays when solar panels have been around for I don't know how long. I mean, I recall even as a kid seeing solar geysers out there. So the answer is very simple. It has to do with the cost and efficiency of solar panels. You see, up until 15 uh, years, 15 to 20 years ago, solar pan panels were not particularly efficient, meaning that very little of the sun's light and heat reaching them could actually be converted into electricity. But as time went on and people started de to develop better and more efficient uh, solar power cells uh, and uh, solar panels, what happened is that the efficiency of those panels started to increase and also the price of the panels started to decrease. So we, looked at, we look at two things now, efficiency going up and price going down. Now that's what made it possible for governments to start implementing solar on a massive scale, like the 27 square kilometer plant in China. This wouldn't have been possible about 20 to 25 years ago. The price would have been ridiculous. It wouldn't have made it feasible to set up this plant. But as the years go by, solar panels are getting more and more efficient and also a lot cheaper. And solar chops pretty much every type of power generation. I mean, if you look at uh, the traditional fuel sources like coal, those are nasty for, for their pollution. They cause lots and lots of pollution. If you look at nuclear, for example, nuclear is, well, even worse. I mean, if you look at what happened at Chernobyl and Fukushima, I mean, nuclear power is clean, it's good, 
until things go wrong. And when things go wrong, they go horribly wrong. I mean, Chernobyl, for example, in Russia, this happened around about 1981 when the nuclear power plant exploded. They had to cordon off, the Russian government had to cordon off a radius of 30 square, 30 kilometers around Fukush uh, around the Chernobyl plant. Now, scientists say that land will be inhabitable by humans in 20,000 years. So nobody will be able to live there for another 20,000 years. I don't know if we're still gonna, if the world is still gonna be around in 20,000 years, but that entire land is now completely useless. 30, 30 kilometer radius. Similar situation in Fukushima. I mean, nobody can, can uh, point a finger at the Japanese when it comes to efficiency and safety. But there's something happened completely out of their control. An earthquake and a tidal wave came and damaged the nuclear power plant. One of the reactors melt, had a meltdown and this caused radiation. The plant had to be closed and the neighboring villages had to be evacuated. But not only that, a lot of that radioactive material actually seeped into the ocean and for miles and miles and miles around uh, scientists were picking up radioactive water coming for, uh, from those plants so nuclear is definitely not the answer fossil fuels are not the answer but solar solar definitely is the answer and south africa has lots and lots of land that can be used for solar uh, I mean, you've got, like we mentioned earlier on, the Karoo Desert and the Kalahari Desert, massive tracts of wasted land that can be used for generating solar power. In fact, South Africa can generate enough solar power, not just for itself, but believe it or not, for the whole world. Because one um, very prominent figure in uh, solar power, a guy by the name of Kunal Munshi, he's based in India. He runs a company called Sunrater Technologies that focuses on solar power and he says an area the size of i think the northern cape and western cape combined if it were covered with solar panels could supply the entire power needs of the whole world now this is not possible obviously it's not technically possible because you can't have such a centralized system of power generation because that power won't be able to distribute to all parts of the world but this is just an example just around i think he mentioned 100,000 square kilometers can power the entire world with solar and this is on today's efficiency level of solar panels but as the solar panels become more and more efficient and cheaper and cheaper as time goes solar power is going to become cheaper and cheaper to generate but we in south africa seem to be getting left behind i don't know we're not one th those types to get into politics or to point a finger but something's horribly wrong that the rest of the world is exploring this amazing renewable type of energy and we are stuck in the dark literally with load shedding and still trying to revive coal power it's really sad that's all we have time for today i don't think uh, we can pull this episode any longer but just very quickly folks mark the date if you are in durban on the 4th of May, that's about three or four days before Ramadan actually begins. On the 4th of May, Masi and I are doing a presentation entitled Rise of the Machines. This is taking place at the Channel Islam offices on Lillian Ngoi Road, which used to be a Windermere Road. 
it starts at nine o'clock. You can see the uh, Channel Islam social media channels for the actual for the advert with the actual times. So we're doing this presentation entitled "Rise of the Machines," where we'll be talking about the fourth industrial revolution, artificial intelligence, and the Internet of Things, and more importantly, how these are affecting our lives and how they're going to affect our careers and our businesses in the future. So if you're a person that is looking at uh, you know a career choice in the near future or you're a business person who's trying to figure out in which direction uh, you should be taking your business over the next five to ten years then please attend uh, rise of the machines once again saturday the 4th of may at the channel islam offices in durban on lillian ngoi street starting at nine o'clock check the channel islam uh, social media channels for more information and that's all we have time for today folks and that's a wrap this is technology watch i'm bilal katrada and i'm masihullah katrada and we'll catch up with you the next time